on perfection, the AI alignment problem, and the possibility of quantum leaps in creativity. Ask me anything for episode EF11. I'm Scott Ely. Welcome to episode EF34 of the Evolve Faster podcast. Quick spoiler alert, this is looking back. This is an Ask Me Anything episode, looking back at episode EF11, which was season one, episode nine of the Evolve Faster podcast, titled, When the Lights Go Out, The Blinding Light of an Artificial Future. So I'm gonna start by reading one paragraph from the introduction or the uh, website description to remind you of the episode. This episode of the Evolve Faster podcast will investigate artificial intelligence development from perspectives of deep learning to related neuroscience and several key technological advances in between. Technology and AI is rapidly evolving at a rate much faster than humanity ever did or could hope for. It's not about if AI will achieve consciousness, but when will we be at least fooled into thinking it has? But does the rapid development automatically mean the end of humankind as we know it? Or is there an alternative route where coexistence is a brighter version of life as it is today? I'm gonna try to answer as many questions as I can that were submitted from evolvefaster.com forward slash discuss. So we're gonna try to cover why haven't humans ever made quantum leaps in creativity? Is it possible for AI to create art like music? Uh, What are your thoughts on the AI alignment problem? What is perfection? Does it exist? Is there an objective perfection? Is human intelligence like a light bulb to the AI's sun? Are we on the brink of what you call the next evolution? You have a couple funny trolley scenarios. Are these real or even possible? Is Hebbian learning the same as machine learning? Why haven't humans ever made quantum leaps in creativity? Well, in some ways, haven't we? From the creativity that helped us survive so many millennia ago to Pablo Picasso or Pink Floyd, could the jump from survival creativity to expressive creativity be described as a tremendous leap? Again, just because 200,000 years seems long from a subjective point of view. It doesn't mean it's objectively long when you consider the long arc of evolution. It's interesting to consider if creativity can evolve, well, faster. I'm actually shocked that's the first time that I've used the the name of the podcast in context. Um, Or is creativity a, a tool and its effectiveness relies on the evolution of the user? If we take the toothpick analogy, that was used in the episode, um, a human will find more different ways to use a toothpick than say an ape. Same as AI will likely find even more ways, a lot more ways to use a toothpick than a human could because AI just has more data processing power and can dig deep into memory banks of similar ideas that a human just can't access at that scale. So it's not the question of the toothpick, but the question of the toothpicker. So maybe creativity can't evolve and it solely depends on the evolution of the user. Thus, maybe it isn't possible to make quantum leaps in creativity. We have to make leaps in our active approach. I think we have a chance at even greater quantum leaps in creativity by leveraging AI, humans using AI to be even more creative. And then just like with AI beating us in in chess, I wonder how long that will last. Which leads to the next question. Is it possible for AI to create types of art like music? It seems like we might be on the verge of another quantum leap in creativity. It just might not be what we're expecting. So we do have things like Netflix and Spotify, and they look pretty straightforward, but those are just 
early forms of artificial intelligence. When it comes to music, we look less and less for artists these days, especially younger generations. We just look for songs, individual music. And software like Spotify does an impressive job to crunch what music actually is and figure out what you want and then spoon feed you exactly what you probably prefer to listen to based on what you've listened to. There's this impressive guy who's kind of a visionary in this in this space called Scott Cohen. And you can Google him and check him out if you're interested in the future of music. To put it briefly, he theorizes that about every decade, something abruptly shifts the music industry. And he feels that the next ship is music created with artificial intelligence. If you think that we still hold the creative throne and that only humans create music, there's an AI out there called Avia, A-I-V-A. And that AI is already creating film scores, video game scores, and ad jingles. So just Google it and you can listen to some of its tracks. You might be surprised that you can't tell it was created by an artificial intelligence. If that's not enough, we still don't have AI Picassos, but there is an AI that's capable of creating images of human faces that you'd have a hard time differentiating from a real photo. And they're images of faces that don't exist. They've taken AI crunched data and created new people that don't exist and you'd have a hard time telling that they're not real. So I'll try to link to the, these, some of these references so you can start to get freaked out that we are not going to win in creativity either. So we're certainly a long way from a general AI, but the narrow cases impinge on human skills more and more every day. And is it really that hard to imagine combining all of these best of class narrow AI scenarios into one single general AI? I think as humans, we have a hard time, you know, looking into the future and extrapolating the progress that we're on now as to how that might look. But if you just look at all these narrow use cases that are happening year on year, it's just not that unimaginable to me that we're going to be in the space of some sort of general artificial intelligence within a short amount of time. And even if it's not conscious, it doesn't matter. It will be so vastly more powerful from a mental perspective than humans that we're going to just be completely outgunned. So what are your thoughts on the AI alignment problem? Well, of course, I'm not qualified to educate people on the specifics of, of the AI alignment problem. Um, we could talk about the basics just to have a discussion. A better reference would be, there's quite a few books on it. And if you want to just listen to something, Sam Harris on his Waking Up podcast, uh, now called Making Sense, he had um, a guest on there. Um, I, I'm going to screw up his name. Eliezer Yukowski, I think is how you say his name. He's an American AI researcher, and I actually know him from a, a website he has that's called Less Wrong, I think. And he explained on the podcast a simple way that you, you can think about the AI alignment problem. And that is an AI where you can understand what it's trying to do. So what could happen if humans can't say what the AI is trying to do? That's where the problem arises, and you can find the resemblance to Isaac Asimov's famous iRobot novel. And we already have this problem today. We're already seeing this in the fact that a lot of AI that's crunching data through machine learning is essentially a black box where, you know, they know what neural networks they put in place, but 
because the AI works the way it does, you almost don't know why it's producing the results that it's producing. The AI is only as good as the big data that we feed it, which itself might be biased. So if AI is in perfect synergy with what humans want from AI, the problem is solved. But the problem is how to create a potentially conscious AI or seemingly conscious AI that's in sync with us. Although we humans have the idea of what's right, wouldn't you say we're having a hard time putting it into practice? I mean, forget about AI in the future. We have to sync ourselves first. It's almost laughable to think that that could ever happen, that we could get everybody on the same page, even about things like values that you'd seem, you'd think we could all be on the same page about. But wars for centuries have proven that that's not the case. So as an example, we could take self-driving cars. We say that they're aligned with our preferences. They make our life easier. And the more technology it develops, the easier it will get. So why is it then that there are people across the United States attacking self-driving cars? Maybe because it's changing the work culture and by making our life easier, some, let's call them sacrifices, have to be made. So naturally, AI technology isn't the first one making jobs redundant, but that's the current issue we're facing. So we have the new AI alignment problem, but at the same time, we have the age-old human alignment problem. Is it a necessary sacrifice or is there a way around it? If we go back to Asimov's iRobot and his three rules of robotics from his famous novel, the first law says, a robot may not injure a human being or through inaction, allow a human being to come to harm. The second law, a robot must obey the orders given it by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. And the third law, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. So besides the second law, the first and third law are rules that we can use as laws for humanity. A human must not injure another human, and a human must protect its own existence. And how exactly can we say we're succeeding at following these rules? How many people have died as direct cause of another human's action just in the few minutes of this podcast episode? Can we expect from designers who are having problems following the rules they're trying to implement in a completely new area to succeed? It's almost as if a person who has no idea how to ride a bicycle is trying to develop an AI bicycling code. Is that possible? In longer runs, the potential resolution of the AI alignment problem isn't in human hands, but the hands of AI development from direct human influence. If you think about it, is there really enough time for humanity to resolve the problem before AI comes to life? It seems we're nearing the point of where we will no longer be capable of understanding the problem, let alone how to solve it. And what happens when AI starts designing AI? What's a black box inside a black box? What is perfection? Does it exist? Is there an objective perfection? So this is a great question. I'm going to assume that this is referring to the plot line of the mini story within the story, which speculates on the challenge of a species like humans ever becoming perfect, or in the case of the story, the AI that's taken over humanity becoming perfect. So if we take humanity, AI, the possible new species here, and the predecessors that came before us, we can construct lines of mental evolution that have been happening long before humans came into existence. Humanity is another checkpoint on this theoretical line, and it's arguable that humanity is the most evolved or perfect, in air quotes, point at this date. 
Looking at the news, I'm laughing at this concept, but hey, after all, this is a discussion about the impossibility of perfection. So, so AI is, in a way, looked at as a new possible checkpoint. If we'd ever had to define one, AI could be the best bet yet. Perhaps there are some upcoming contenders we'd have to consider if we had more time to dig into this, like synthetic biology, CRISPR gene-edited humans, cyborgs, AI-infused humans. But so as not to complicate this, since it's just a for-fun thought experiment, let's stick with pure AI as it is currently evolving and assume it continues to rapidly evolve and maybe hits an exponential leap of the type that Kurzweil or Nick Bostrom are predicting. If our ancestors had the ability to mentally create the idea of what would come after them, we'd be to them like we'd imagine AI to be to us the next step. These are gigantic jumps in time, and it would be hard for us to perceive because the average lifespan of a human is only about 80 years. You know, that's already a ton of time for us, right? Imagine what you can do in 80 years, let alone 200,000 years, which is currently the earliest historic time when we know Homo sapiens existed. You can start a lot of startups in that time, but think about the drastic changes in technology in the, just the last 80 years. I mean, a good portion of America didn't have indoor plumbing for toilets or electricity 80 years ago. If you described a cell phone or make it more drastic, a Skype or FaceTime video call, from two parts of the globe, which is essentially free to those people 80 years ago, they'd probably have locked you up. And you wonder why your grandparents are not good at using smartphones. But for perfection, that doesn't seem to be good enough, unless we imagine ourselves to be perfect beings. If you take a walk, every step is followed by another step. So we presume that AI replaces humanity at the top of the perfection chain. Will there be something else to replace humanity next? Probably and presumably in less than 200,000 years, because once AI starts creating AI, everything will literally be evolving faster, and so on and so on. So is there a point when perfection exists? Finding perfection is like trying to find the biggest number. You can always find one higher. What's infinity plus one? So if we can always add another number, can we define the biggest number? The same applies to perfection. How can we define something if we can't even locate it? Does the ceiling exist? Maybe it does. Maybe perfection does exist and it isn't what we'd imagine it to be. Maybe perfection, when everything is in perfect harmony, perfect balance, is what we call the end. When there's literally nothing more in this universe to evolve or to change. Because why do we change? To become better. To get one step closer towards perfection. Perfection plus one. And when there's nothing left to change, what should we call it? Perfection? Heaven? Well, you already know my intuitions on that. Doesn't sound too enticing to me. Is human intelligence like a light bulb to the AI's sun? Of course, it's hard to say for certain since an AI counterpart to humanity still doesn't exist in any kind of true general AI. I'd be surprised if that doesn't exist in the next 50 or 100 years though. Who knows, maybe longevity science will enable me to see it, dare to dream. It's just not feasible to me that it's not going to happen though. 10 years ago, it seemed distant, but to me as someone who's not an expert, but an interested long time observer with some engineering background, to me, AI is accelerating 
very fast since Watson and the kind of creepy deep mind advances that have happened in the last few years. It's clearly conquering us in narrow games it's been programmed for. The entertainment representation of war where we see who's stronger, better, and smarter. But it's also creating unique solutions to problems. You even have casual non-AI experts who are now able to dabble and create creepy things. If you look around on the internet, there's some there's some things that amateurs are able to build with AI now that's getting scary. So imagine when the masses have access to this. It's going to be like the YouTube explosion of junk videos, but it will be AI creations. The volumes of training data are out there for even non-experts to use, though it might not be very accurate, which is probably a different problem. Google, Facebook, Amazon are data mining the hell out of humans, and no one's stopping them, which is giving them gobs and gobs of fodder to train AIs in literally every aspect of life. And researchers are applying AI models to literally every profession from radiology to elder care to probably lemonade stands. That's right, AI and robotics will put your kid's neighborhood lemonade stand out of business soon. The point is, it's impossible to me that, the, that all these systems and the high, high stakes that are at play here will not mean that the cobbling together of a general AI sooner than later. I mean, who, whoever does it first, likely a giant company like Google before a government like China would be my guess. Whoever wins is likely to win all. Now, here's what I find interesting. We perceive consciousness from our human perspective, meaning consciousness comes with a strong urge to be shackle-free. And that's why we imagine the dawn of AI as Terminator movies come true. Because although on the outside, we see circuits, chips, and wires, on the inside, we're giving the AI a rather human abstraction. But isn't that from the perspective of our current intelligence level? What if that pesky AI finds a better understanding of consciousness? one that goes far beyond destruction and dominance. What will it be, better or worse, than the scenario our limited human brain is currently contemplating? If nothing else, it becomes far more abstract than what we believe it to be. So same as the sun, AI can definitely make everything better. The sun enables life on Earth with its glow and warmth, and but one big boom, and it will be as if humanity never existed not in an Arnold Schwarzenegger naked Terminator crushing skulls kind of way, in a humans are no longer relevant to the AI and the AI has no incentive to even acknowledge us kind of way. Do we really consider the well-being of single-celled organisms or even ants? Not really. And ironically, nobody will care. So AI is a young star in development, but what exactly will it do once it's fully formed? We can't say. The only thing we can do is try our best to ensure there's still room for us while we have this tiny conscious advantage. Either that, or go with the flow if you're a nihilist and see humanity as an unimportant tiny speck in the bigger scheme. Are we on the brink of what you call the next evolution? I mean, it certainly seems so to me. And the question I always like to ask is, how does that make us feel? So think about it. Does it create fear, happiness, excitement, or maybe sadness, because in a way, it's extremely exciting to think we're the ones living in the age where a gigantic change is possible and, and probable, one that's far beyond humanity. 
Forget the French Revolution, the invention of the steam engine, internet, or memes, or that beacon of progress, the reality TV show. But this is a black hole type of change that will have the potential to suck into its vortex everything that came before. Even if humanity as we know it gets annihilated, at least we're the ones who get to watch from the front row. If you take into consideration the short time we're alive and how rarely big things like that happen, it's almost like winning the lottery. I mean, granted, kind of a crappy lottery, but it's a lottery nonetheless. I mean, imagine a primo seat to watch the dinos go extinct when the meteor hit, or whatever the current theory is. I know my daughter would certainly enjoy that. So in a way, it does create this exciting joy and strange feeling of luxury to see the string ball slowly untangle firsthand, doesn't it? Our generation might be like Moses from the Bible, who managed to bring the Jewish people to the promised land, but didn't enter himself. He just got a quick glance, which kind of sucks if you ask me. Ultimately, it will likely all proceed more insidiously, creeping up on us where we don't even really realize it's happening. So not unlike the way we are all of a sudden now waking up to the reality that we've just sold our digital souls to Google and Facebook, one day it's just too late. I think the same will probably happen with all this. One day we'll just no longer be significant or relevant. I mean, isn't it already happening in a slow burn kind of way? You really think those state college degrees that are putting all of our kids into deep debt are going to be valuable in 20 years? When you have even Ivy League kids graduating and driving Uber, which itself will be on self-driving AI in a decade or two? Well, that was an uplifting answer. Thanks for the uh, depressing question. <laughs> Next, you have a couple funny trolley scenarios like the Woody Allen one. Are these scenarios really real or possible? Let's say one positive thing about our flaws is that we can always make them funny. So while creating the possible trolley problems for the episode, I just couldn't help but imagine a Woody Allen movie when that scenario popped up. So especially the scenario where the car has to decide between harming a person with religion A, person religion B, or religion C. I mean, if Woody Allen ever needed a movie for the 21st century, you're welcome to use it, my friend. This was one of the one of the things I knew would probably be outdated by the time I, I put this together. So since I started writing this to the day of publishing, this self-driving car philosophical problem has been kicked around a lot on different podcasts and books and, and things. But what we did to update it was, you know, to make it funny. And I added in this facial recognition thing that I haven't seen anyone else speculating about. But to me, it's it's completely feasible. I mean, Facebook has two billion profiles with photos. I mean, a lot of those are fake, of course, but there's still, you know, a sixth of the globe or something is on is on Facebook with their with their photo. You know, Google has perfected technology that can scan photos and even across decades know that it's the same person. Self-driving cars have lots of cameras. You know, the the Google car that's been driving around has cameras in all different directions. I'm sure Tesla is, has uh, read they've, there's a bunch of cameras on their new car. So is it really that far-fetched that a self-driving car that pulls up to an intersection sees three different people that it could calculate are three different religions? You wouldn't even need to be that literal. Like, I, I don't think it's that far-fetched that it's going to be pretty common to be recognized when you walk around in 10 or 20 years. 
because there's going to be so many cameras and we know all this about them though. So you could easily take a camera, could snap a picture of someone, translate who it is, go to their Facebook profile, realize that they've labeled themselves as a Christian or a, a Muslim, and there you have it. So wouldn't you say this is a human problem more than an AI problem? I mean, it's already connected to the AI alignment problem and why it's so complicated. It's just because of syncing AI with humans, but syncing humans with humans. So what's right for person A isn't right for person B. The real problem is human subjectivity and the fact that our rightness heavily depends on our emotions and beliefs. From a cold, rational AI's point of view, the decision's clear. It needs to protect the passenger. But is it really? Is it okay to prioritize the passenger, even if it's an 80-year-old man and the victim is a 25-year-old pregnant woman? If the AI is programmed to calculate cold, rational reasons for the benefit of humanity, isn't it more reasonable to kill the 80-year-old man? On the other hand, if the cold, rational reasoning is programmed for the benefit of the human, the user, then it's reasonable to kill the pregnant woman. So again, what's right in our in humanity's mind? This is what I referred to in a different question where I, I said it was laughable because we don't have, you know, just picking those three major religions, which encompass a lot of the, you know, you know half the population of the, of the earth, they don't agree on, on values and on a lot of things. So how are we going to program artificial intelligence? What data are we going to feed it to make decisions like this going forward? And this is not a, well, maybe we shouldn't do it. It's happening and there's no stopping it. It's happening in every single field of human endeavor that it will be reprogrammed using all the data that exists on humanity. And AI is going to be making the decisions. And so somewhere in that mechanism, someone's got to decide what's the right decision to make. And humans can't agree on it. So I don't know how AI is going to agree on it. You know, the AI has its eyes set on efficiency, not subjectivity. And then, of course, there's the data bias issue is that the data that we have, which trains the AI, appears to be biased because humanity is biased. So naturally, our data would be biased, too. So if we can get humanity to accept the reality that cars driving around us is a way safer scenario than completely distracted humans and get everyone out from behind the wheel, then I think the world will improve drastically and these trolley scenarios will decrease in incidence drastically. Yeah, I think there, I think the numbers like worldwide, a million people a year are killed in car accidents. It's a lot lower in developed nations, but you had only self-driving cars on the, on the road. I think the value goes down to a 10th of that or lower. But you know, these type of scenarios are going to continue to pop up in every endeavor of humanity because computers are going to take all of it over. As a final thought, isn't this cold effectiveness returning to roots? I mean, an ant doesn't ask why it has to go out into a dangerous world to get food. It does what it's programmed by nature to do. But AI isn't like Z from the movie Ants, who just happens to be voiced by Woody Allen. It isn't questioning its, its existence. It just does what it's told to do. We can go further down this rabbit hole, but I think it's already more than enough food for thought. Is Hebbian learning the same as machine learning? So I read a good bit about machine learning while preparing for this episode, and as did Antonio. And I, I, I read that part of machine learning 
is unsupervised learning, as the whole idea of machine learning is to minimize human interference, in air quotes. So in other words, AI learning by utilizing data that isn't categorized by humans to be used for development. AI creating non-existent paths on its own. And Hebbian learning, as I understand it, is a form of unprotected learning. Put simply, the more we learn something, a background protocol is activated in our brain that constantly gets better and enables us to learn faster in the future. So the more we learn, the better we get at learning, or as it's commonly put, the cells that fire together wire together. So brain cells that work together continue to work together in the future, if you keep working that muscle. But the problem for us humans is that we don't get momentarily rewarded for learning, so we're more likely to quit. We need that feel-good fix to continue doing something. The problem is how to get that feel-good fix. We want to know how to craft items, speak new languages, master musical instruments, and so on. But it's extremely hard. We feel we lack time, will, and the reward to motivate us. So how can we bring ourselves to do what we want to do? It sounds like a silly question, but how can we utilize this great ability we have, the power to automatically be better at learning the more we learn? So imagine what a powerful ability that is. And we all have this. As if for every apple you pick, you magically receive two. A bottomless well of creativity, productivity, and evolution is biologically designed into us. Biology did exact, exact thing to us millennia and millennia ago that we're currently trying to do to AI. Pondering on creativity is just one step in finding the way to utilize this great impending power here. The other steps are happiness, free will, emotions, thinking, and so on. Every episode in season one is a puzzle piece to this big picture of human potential. AI might be knocking on our door, but we can still evolve and become better with each day and figure out a way to live alongside it. But I think we need more caution than we have right now. Okay, well, hopefully that, hopefully that wasn't too depressing. I think there's, there's a lot of potential here, but a lot of, uh, a lot of things to be concerned about. And I think a lot of issues that most people are not thinking about yet. So this brings us to the end of this AMA for episode EF11. I apologize to any questions I didn't get to. I tried to cover the essence of, of what I thought were the important issues and continue to submit questions from evolvefaster.com forward slash discuss. Hope you enjoyed this episode and we will look forward to seeing you in the next one. Thanks and take care. The Evolve Faster podcast is written, produced, and performed by Scott Ely. Many episodes are also co-written with the help of Antonio Rosich. It takes an enormous effort to produce all the quality, original content needed for this podcast. Your support would be greatly appreciated, and you can learn about multiple ways to do so by going to evolvefaster.com forward slash subscribe. Here you'll find direct links to review and give the podcast five stars on key platforms like iTunes and share it on social media. These are free to do but are critical to audience growth. And the only way to find out about new seasons is to register your email, so please do so. You will only receive valuable content and information on upcoming seasons and products. And finally, if you're benefiting from the Evolve Faster podcast, direct financial support at whatever amount you can afford is important for our survival. Running ads on a channel for free thinking content is an inherent conflict of interest. 
So if you want the podcast content to remain unhindered by commercial interests and stay edgy and raw, then direct support is the best and only path to content independence. Also, writing and production of each episode of the Evolve Faster podcast is a major undertaking spanning many months. It's a labor of love, but it does need your help to survive. So please consider becoming a subscriber at evolvefaster.com forward slash subscribe. Your help and support are greatly appreciated and are what makes this podcast possible. Isn't it time for an upgrade? It's time to evolve faster.